0: So I'm going to Second Samuel chapter 15. It's going to take me a little bit to get there, so um, you can find your way there. I just want to fill you in a little bit about what's going on in Second Samuel chapter 15. What's led up to that? We're talking about David right here in, in this portion of scriptures as God lays out for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. David is going through a horrible time. His family life is crushing all around him, uh, and it's because of the consequences of sin. We're probably all familiar with David's sin when he went up on the rooftop uh, and, and looked upon Bathsheba and did a little bit more of the look upon her. He ended up taking her and and then ultimately to hide that sin that he had with Bathsheba led into him murdering Uriah, her husband, uh, and, and all the things that went along with that. Uh, those are powerful messages of themselves, for sure. Uh, but things didn't stop there. Um, with all that, there was a consequence for every bit of it. Uh, I want to share with you 2 Samuel 12:9 uh, through 11. That's when the prophet Nathan uh, gave uh, David a uh, uh, prophecy of, of what's going to happen because of all this. This is not our text. So let me just uh, read a couple of these verses. That's kind of going to help set the tone. In 2 Samuel 12:9 through 11, it says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? question thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon and now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife and saith, this saith thus saith the lord behold i will rise up evil against thee out of thy own house I will take thy wives before thy eyes and give them unto thy neighbour and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. That's a that's a powerful prophecy right there. That that is an indictment on to David. I, I got a lot of scriptures to read, so uh you can, you do as you feel led. But it's a lot of scriptures to read. So that that's a, that's the that's the prophecy on David about what we're about to face in Second Samuel fifteen. So let me set this up a little bit. Y'all can hear me? No problem with electrical accent. Alright, so David's got many sons. He's got a father too. And we know, about uh, his son Anon and what he did with, what he did with, uh, Tamar. And of course, that was horrific, right? He raped his half-sister and, and that caused all sorts of problems for sure. And Tamar's brother, also David's son, the half-brother, uh, of uh, Anon, uh, he, being an Absalom was still with rage, rightly so. The problem is in the scripture, in you look at 2 Samuel 13, it says that David knew about this. But David didn't do anything about this. This went on for years. And Absalom's bitterness and anger and, and dissatisfaction continued to rage within him. It got so bad that uh, he, he planned this outing. For all of his brothers and his family, and he wanted his dad to go too. And, and, and he was blind to kill his brother and it's fascinating to me. David had the wisdom not to go to that that Audi. Um, it would just be speculation what Absalom would have possibly done to David, what he'd slain his father there, what um, he just wanted his father to see. That boy get his judgment and and, 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 die. Either that's horrific as well. But that, that went on. So he killed, Absalom kills his brother Amnon. So now, uh, we've got a rape in his family. We've got a pet son. David knowing all of this that's going on, still not doing anything with it. Absalom has the wisdom, I'm going to flee. I, I, I don't want to pay for this part. So he flees. He goes to, uh, his grandfather's place and, uh, and hangs out there for a while. Ultimately, Absalom comes back. It's David's okay to come back. However, David doesn't even see him. So Absalom, totally expecting to to get judgment from his father, never runs into his father. His father kind of ignores him. He he keeps him shut up over into a a house and just ignores his son, never dealing with the situation. Now we find ourselves in the second Samuel chapter 15, and life is about, it's already changed for David. Once he, he took the look and it all went downhill from there, well, life's about to get even more strange here. So I'm going Second Samuel 15. If you want to join me there, I'm going to read verses 13 through 17 and, and, and set the tone here a little bit. And there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said to all of the servants that are with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee. For we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to the park, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were his concubines, to keep the house. Time doesn't permit me to keep reading these verses in in continuation, so I'm going to pick up in verse 23. 23 says, And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Idron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Verses 30 and 31, David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up. And had his head covered, and he went barefoot, and all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went up. Verse 31, And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Um, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna grab 16, a couple of verses in 16, 16:1. 16, and when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mahishbath, met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba. What meanest thou by these? And Zeba said, the asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. I'm going down verse five now. Five, when the king's David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and all the servants of the king David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And this, and this said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Beal. The Lord hath returned unto thee all the blood of the house of Saul, and whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord had delivered the kingdom into the hand of uh, Absalom, thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. So, this is, can, continues his journey. Let me just recap with you a little bit there uh, what has happened. So the king, he decides in fear because he knows that Absalom has the heart of all the people of Israel. So he says to this servant, he's got some faithful servants king's got faithful servants. They all say, hey, whatsoever, we're going with you. No matter what, we're going with you. So they flee, but he leaves ten behind to keep the house. On his way there, he goes up. Now, this is the king of Israel, right? And he's got his head covered. We look in the Old Testament at, at what it meant to have your head covered. You are in disgrace. You're in shame. You're in great mourning with your head covered all the people's head were covered too they all went along weeping and david was even barefoot at this particular time david then encounters a couple people along the way oh by the way his friend the great counselor ahithophel he betrayed david he was tremendously close to david david had a close-knit friend that he valued and invested in that betrayed him well he came along these two fellows and and Ziba, it doesn't say that there, but uh, you know he was deceiving David. Uh, he said, I'm bringing you all these things to bless you. And, and by the way, the, the asses are for your house to ride on. Summer fruits are to feed your young men. And the wine is, if you're in the wilderness and you, you feel faint, you can have some of that. So Zeba is deceiving David on why he's even there. And of course, Shimei, you don't have to go very far to figure out he doesn't mean any good. Usually when somebody throws a rock at me, I know it's not in good intentions. So uh, th- th- this is not going well for David. He's got all this going on. King of Israel, his house is in dismay. He's ashamed. He's broken. I wonder why he was weeping when he was going up that Mount of Olives. It's just speculation. Certainly it could be uh, over his own situation. That, that could certainly be. But it also could have been over his son Absalom. Because throughout the scriptures, he really mourned that son. Even though that son had done great wrong, he really mourned that son. In 2 Samuel 13, 39, it says when David found out that Amnon died, his other son that Absalom killed, David was pleased. Strange, isn't it? David was pleased that justice was done. He loved the son Absalom, went up weeping. Well, as I was reading those scriptures, I could not help but to be drawn to that place. He was going up to the ascent of Mount Olivet. Now, if you're in your scriptures at all, that automatically makes us think of what? Jesus. Why Jesus? Crucifixion. But why Mount Olivet? What is it? He went there to pray. If we go back in the scriptures and we see Jesus and his earthly ministry, oftentimes he's found, especially when he's going back and forth to Jerusalem, he's stopping at the Mount of Olives. He's praying there often. He's teaching there. He gave the Olivet Discourse. He's done many messages there. He's teaching his disciples. He prayed. He got alone there. Oftentimes we find our Savior going to Mount the Mount of Olives. Oftentimes we find it. Let's go to Luke chapter 19 together. Luke chapter nineteen. I could not help but think as I went back to Luke nineteen to, to kind of understand a little bit about Jesus in the Mount of Olives, how many similarities of, of Jesus in the Mount of Olives in David when he started to ascend the Mount of Olives. Similarities, however, great contrast. You, you'll easily pick them up with me. Uh, let's first start in eighteen. Luke eighteen thirty one. And then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit upon. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Get these next two verses. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Before I go on with that, uh, so, so Jesus, uh, the reason I read those verses is Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. You're your Bible-believing Christians here on a Wednesday night. I know you know that. But let's grab that back into our memories, understanding that what Jesus faced on Calvary, uh, what he did to accomplish and defeat sin and death, he knew about. He knew about the agony that we, he was going to face. We'll bring back that later. Let's, let's catch one of the fellows that Jesus encounters along his way. Verse 35, it came to pass that as he was come nigh on the Jericho, A certain blind man sat by the wayside begging, and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by, and he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, and that he should hold his peace, and he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that thou shalt do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. That's what happens when Jesus goes by. When you encounter Jesus, life changes for the better. Uh verse number nineteen chapter nineteen, verse number one, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man, man named Zacchaeus, uh which was the chief among the publican, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus Make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of all my goods I give unto the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. uh, For the son of man is to come and to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus encountered a few fellows along his way too. The difference between David and Jesus is how those men came to perceive. We've got Ziba deceiving David for favor for himself. When we've got this blind beggar just calling out. He just heard that Jesus was in the area. He just wanted to encounter him. Sure, he wanted his sight, but he wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, isn't that great about our Savior? As he ministered along the way, he, he wasn't, he, he had a place to go. He, he was always purpose, but he stopped and took the time. That, that's, that's always amazing about our Savior, on how he stops and takes the time to deal with people along the way. One of my favorites is what, about what the lepers. You know, when with leprosy, you, you can't be anywhere around a leper. You got they're all coming up and you know they're all left by themselves. They got they, unless there's other lepers around them, they can't be around anybody. They're walking wrong, digits are falling off, noses are falling. Off. It's not a good scene. They're they're in bad trouble. Can't be around anybody. Yet when Jesus encounters the lepers, what does he do? He touches them and heals them. Can you imagine being that leper? This is not part of my message. It's just this fascinating. Put yourself in the, in the position of a leper. Think about it, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's one year is a long time to be in, remember COVID? One year to have no fellowship with anybody. Maybe the many a years you got no felt, nobody will talk to you, they see you coming, unclean, they head the other way. Nobody wants anything to do with you. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus of all people, and he's touching you. Whoo, that's some good stuff right there. Maybe they, it is not good for you. I'm sure it was my delivery, but that's some good stuff for me. So, amen, amen. Thank you, sister. That's some good stuff to me. Anyways, um, let's, so Jesus encounters a couple of these other guys. Zacchaeus. How about Zacchaeus? Everyone wants to give him, give him the business because he's a little guy. They don't say too much about how fast he was. He shot ahead of that multitude, whipped up that tree. Nobody brings that up, but that's neither here nor there. Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus. He just wanted to see him. And what happens with Zacchaeus? Jesus stops and takes notice of him and ministers to him. Wow, that, that's our Savior. That's our Savior. So our Savior, as he met people along the way, he was making a difference, healing, taking time. He was not under persecution by any means. We get down to verse number 28 in chapter 19, and it says this, And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up into Jerusalem. And it came to pass... Uh, when, when he was come nigh unto Beth Edge and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Uh, again, for, for sake of time, I'll, I won't spend a lot of that time, a lot of time reading that, but he sends two disciples. Remember what they were out to do? They went out to get that, the, 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 uh, the pastor preached the mighty mama donkey. Uh, there, was, there was the two asses, right? The two donkeys. He went and retrieved them for his use. Well, also if we look back, uh, David sent two back too. He sent the priest and, uh, uh Zadok and, uh, other fellows' names started with an H, but he sent two people back too. I, I didn't read that, so you can see I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing apart this message. I apologize for that, but, but hang, but hang with me, uh, cause, cause it's about to get really good. Uh, so Jesus also spoke a parable at this particular time. In that parable, uh, he starts off by, uh, Let me just share that with you real quick as he starts that parable off and he picks that up in verse number 12. A certain nobleman went out into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. won't take the time to read that, but isn't that strange? When David was leaving, he sent ten of his concubine back and said to keep the house. When Jesus is going through this whole process, he preaches a parable and he's sending ten to occupy till I come. I just thought it was interesting. Uh so I'll share that with you. Um, okay, so we, we move all along the way and uh we we pick up. Uh Jesus is uh Okay, yeah. So as he gets close to The Mount of Olives, Uh, let's just pick up there, verse 31. And if any man asks you why do you, uh, so he's talking about the the cults there, verse number 32, and they that were sent went their way and found, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not going to read that part. Um, mm -hmm. Um, Let's pick up in verse uh Let's pick up in verse 45. And they went into the temple and began to cast them out. that so therein. I'm sorry, that's not what I wanted to do either. Uh, how about um, verse number 41? 41, 41 for sure. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, uh, but now they are hid from thy eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thy enemies shall cast Trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of visitation. I hack that apart, but there's a lot of different similarities in there where David is ascent up the Mount of Olive Olivet, and Jesus' descent to the Mount of Olivet. It's funny. We know why David was weeping, or we can kind of, kind of put together why he was weeping. But why Jesus? Why was he weeping? If you remember right, as he's going down this, everybody's yelling praise to him. This is this is one time. Think about it. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh coming down him, He's never received all the glory you deserve. That won't happen until the second coming. He's never received all that. But for this one glimpse, he's getting quite a bit. They put him on the this hope that never a man rode. They put their clothes down so he didn't even have to touch that. And was riding there saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, God in the in the highest. The Pharisees, they're so upset by this, they're saying, hey, hey, stop them from doing that. But what does Jesus say about that? He says, man, if I was, the stones would even cry out. It could not be done. So rather than some guy humming stones at David because of his sin we've got stones ready to praise out if the people stop praising him. there's so many similarities that go along there, but it 's fascinating to me on why Jesus would weep as he 's going down there in this what would seem like a great time. Of course, he knew what was coming. David fled because I would say that he had a fear he didn't want to face the son absolutely. Didn't want to die himself, and he certainly didn't want to kill his son. He didn't want the city to 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 be afflicted with all that. So he fled, and he wept over all the situation that he's gone through. Jesus went and faced what he needed to. He knew what was coming. He was going to face what he uh, he would ultimately go to cross. And he would never never bat an eye. He, he, he continued to move along as, to, to set the course that his father had set before him. And, of course, we know when he gets down to Jerusalem, he cleanses the temple. Uh, and, and then he goes back up. And, and then we're about a week away from the crucifixion. He, he shows up in Mount Olives uh, three more times there. All significant, I think. Well, let's turn over to Acts chapter 1 together. Acts chapter 1. This Mount Olives, Mount of Olives, is going to show up again. Acts chapter one, verse nine. Our Savior has already gone to the cross at this time. He paid the debt at Calvary. He died. He was buried in the tomb and stayed there three days. Uh, Stayed uh, dead three days and rose again three days after. Uh, Here we find in verse number nine. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly, that's his apostles, he appeared uh, to over 500, was around there for a while, and then he ascended up into heaven. His apostles, uh, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why ye stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye've seen him go into heaven. Then return they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. You catch that there? Jesus, before he is leaving earth, was sent back up to the right of his father, he goes to the mount of olives, and I know it's a place, but it's pointing to a person, isn't it? Let's go to Zechariah together. Uh, Old Testament prophet, Zechariah. You'll be, I never really realized this before, but uh, there's 14 chapters in the book of Zechariah, Old Testament prophet. You go through those. It's amazing, the prophecy in there about Jesus. Uh, it, I'm, I'm just going to throw uh, one or two at you just because of, of how amazing it is. Uh, surely I, I've read this before, but uh, I don't know. It, uh, it, uh, Certainly, uh, certainly amazed me. Verse number eight in chapter three says this, Hear ye now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men, uh, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Capital B, capital R, capital the, the whole word there, branch. And we know that's a, 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 a reference to Jesus Christ. Verse number nine in chapter nine, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, and having salvation lowly, and riding upon an ass and upon a cult the foal of an ass. What does that sound like? It sounds pretty clear to me. Verse number eleven uh, or I'm sorry, chapter eleven, verse twelve. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear, so they weighed for me my price thirty pieces of silver. We know that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, and that price was 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Verse number 10 in chapter 12. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his own son, and they shall be in bitterness for him and for one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Sounds like Jesus to me. But check out verse Uh, Number one through five, chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. And I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the woman ravished. And half the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth. And fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half toward the south. And they shall flee to the valley of the mountains. So For the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azaleel. Ye shall flee like as ye fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzzah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. There's a prophecy again. The Mount of Olives shows up in Jesus' second coming. It's no doubt a predominant place. But again, the place really means nothing without the person. The person being Jesus for sure. And and we, we... uh, I, I know I didn't tie that message up good. It's funny with our pastor; uh, he's like a fine chef, right? He's going into the Word of God, he's preparing things right, uh, especially those that visit. Man, when he lays out the Word, everything just goes nice. Uh, this I pr- I, pr- I pray you see it was the Word of God. Sure, there was a lot of stuff that was uncooked. Uh, the dessert came before the. It was a mess. I know, but you hung with me, and I hope that you got something from that. What I do want to just hit on just before I close is looking back at. David so much loved his son that he thought the best course of action would just be to ignore him. So I want to call out to all of you because we all go through the same life. and I wonder how many of us have, and it's amazing, Diane gave that testimony how many of us have things that are undone in our lives. Especially when it comes to our children. Maybe, maybe, maybe tonight the Lord pressed upon you uh, somehow, some way. Maybe, maybe there's something unsaid between you and one of your kids. Maybe you need to go to the altar and ask God to help mend that. Maybe, maybe it's one of your parents. Maybe they're even gone. And you know how, boy, as parents, you don't want to mess up your kids. But you know you do. You know our life is a mess, and the things that that we've done in our life certainly gets poured out onto our kids and how that hurts. You don't want to hurt your kids. Maybe it's time to go to the altar and ask God to forgive you there. Maybe, it's, maybe you need to be pressed upon on what mistakes you might have made with your kids, maybe the mistakes you made with God. I don't know. I hope the Lord gave you something out of that. But if the Lord did touch upon you anything or anything, I pray that you'd use this time. Don't don't go out. We've all had those attentions. Yeah, I'll have a deal when I get home. Something happens. Uh, the dog runs away, or uh, something always happens. So n- take the time, deal with it now. And, and maybe maybe you've got nothing going on. Praise the Lord. Ask the Lord to press upon you to keep you from those type of things. So uh, I'm just going to end in prayer. And if the, if the Lord leads you, come on to the altar, stay in your seat, whatever you want to do, and uh, then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, for their patience. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, you showed me so much of your word, even if I couldn't get it across. Lord, I pray that you bless bless my brothers and sisters. You write upon their hearts and and minds your word. Lord, you take from their minds and their ears anything that I said that was not of you and that was not pleasing to you. Lord, we make a mess of our lives at times. Lord, uh, the sins of David. Uh, maybe our sins aren't the same, but we've made a mess. Lord, help us to deal with things before it gets any worse. Lord, keep us from those sins. You've told us you'd make a way of escape. Lord, help us to take those ways of escape. Help us to encourage one another. Help us to forgive when forgiveness is needed. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that it's not over at Calvary. Lord, that uh, He awaits Come back even even so. And, uh, Lord God, we so anxiously want to be with you. We pray until that time comes, we be found faithful men and women doing your will and your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.